Hello, I'm Father Dan Serratori from the St. Benedict's Catholic Community in Burwood, Melbourne, and welcome to our podcast. We hope you're blessed by this homily. May it enrich you and may it inspire you to embrace more fully the love, the life, and the mission of Jesus. Enjoy. I heard a neat little saying recently that said, um, ask yourself what's important in life and then have the courage and the wisdom to build your life around that answer. Um, which is a, sounds like a pretty challenging thing to think about. But as Christians, as people who profess to believe in Christ and follow him, then this whole celebration of the Triduum, this um, mystery that we begin to enter into tonight, is this most important thing for us. Um, surely we all need to still kind of convert ourselves to believe that it's the most important thing. There's, our hearts are drawn in other directions. But this is the most central aspect of our faith. This is the truth around which all the rest of our faith and our life revolves. Um, whether we come together for whatever reason, it's because of this mystery we're celebrating over these days. Um, and as I was saying before, the, it's one event this is why these three, these three separate liturgies, seemingly, they're happening on three different days at different times, and you go home in between, um, are, in fact, one liturgy that is united and together because it's one thing around which our, our life is based. And because of that, we wanted to simplify things, and instead of giving you three different messages and three different themes and three different kind of responses to make and ways to um, turn to Jesus across the three days, um, we wanted to approach this whole triduum from one stance, with one simple invitation in mind. So what we want to do this Easter as a parish, and each of, each of us individually, is simply to look to Jesus. That's the invitation that we want to put out to you these days, to look to Jesus. To look to Jesus to, to see who he is for us, what he's done for us, how he calls us to live. Um, now, Jesus tells us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that's perhaps the three stances, the three angles, the three lenses through which um, we're going to reflect on how we can look to Jesus um, across these three days. Um, so, the way, the truth, and the life, three, three angles from which to look to Jesus. Does that sound cool? Does that sound like a good plan? Bit of a roadmap for the coming days. Um, Dan likes it. That's good. He came up with it, so he's. I'd, ho I'd hope he liked it, if anybody. <laughs> um, so, tonight, we begin with the first one, which is the way. We look to Jesus to see how he is the way for us. Um, now, I think this makes a lot of sense with the readings tonight because the, the readings, if you um, look at them closely, it seems almost like an instruction manual. In the first reading, you get God saying to the people of um, Israel who are stuck in Egypt, now you've got to do this, you've got to go get a sheep or a lamb, or then you've got to cut it, then you've got to like, kill it, and then you've got to put the blood with this, and then you do this, and then you do this, and then you've got to keep doing it in remembrance every year forevermore. The second reading as well says... Paul's like, well, this is what somebody's told me to do, and then this is what I'm telling you to do, and this is what Jesus told us all to do. It's more instructions. Um, and again, in the Gospel, 
Jesus says a number of times, he's, um, he washes the disciples' feet. He says, uh, where is it? It's a long reading, where can I find it? If I have washed your feet, then you also need to wash each other's feet. Um, I have given you this as an example so that you can copy. The whole set of readings tonight is like this instruction manual, all these instructions of how we're going to go about doing life. So God is putting before us a way, a way of living, a way of entering into what he's offering for us. So as we look to Jesus, we want to think about what this, what this way is that he's calling us to live. What are the, what's the instruction, the invitation that Jesus is giving us? And before I delve into what the way is, what the, what the kind of instructions are, what we're to do, I think an important first question is, what is the way leading to? If we're to follow Jesus, who is our way, where are we going? And if we're to follow Jesus to this destination, where are we coming from? Why, if it's so important, why aren't we already there? Um, and the first reading gives us something of, of an idea of this because we find this scene of the Israelites, the whole nation of the people of God have gone down to Egypt and are living away from the promised land, away from their homeland, the land that God has promised to them. And they've found themselves enslaved and oppressed. They're being worked hard under the whip. Um, they're not free to go and worship as they were and they, they're not in relationship with God down there. So this can be an image for us both of where we are and of where we're going. Especially the, the sense of the promised land is the, the, the place where God wants his people to be, where they can be free, be in relationship with him, enjoy the blessings that God wants to bestow upon them, the richness of his fatherly love, um, where they cannot be enslaved. Um, so we're coming from Egypt, in a sense, and we're moving towards the promised land, but particularly what God really wants for us, where he wants to lead us to, the place where he wants to have us, is, I think, expressed best by the idea of communion, that in, in the promised land, they have the system of worship and, and they're able to relate with the Lord. They're free to, to know the blessings of the Lord. God has, God has blessed them through the land, blessed them, prospered them in their different ways, and they know his love for them. And also, they're, all in, they're in peace as well, with the, with the ideal of the promised land. If you actually look at the history, there's lots of wars and stuff that go on even when they're there. But the ideal of the promised land is that peace where they can actually live in harmony with one another as well. So, when I say communion... This, this communion as where God wants us to be is not simply, um, not just, I'm not just talking about the pole in the mass where we come forward and um, receive the bread, um, but this harmony and unity of relationship, which is what we're made for, what God intends for us, where God wants us to be, and where Jesus is the way to. That through following him, we can enter into that communion that's not only not only harmony with God and relationship with him, but also harmony with one another um, in, a rich, in a rich way from that word communion. So, first of all, let's have a look at Jesus as the way to this communion with God, the relationship with God, how Jesus fulfills that, how he, how he leads us along that way. Um, 
And in this instance of the people in Egypt coming back to the Promised Land, and, and particularly in the readings tonight, God provides the way of worship for them. He provides that their worship is the, the key movement of when, when we want to love and serve God. We worship him, we offer, we offer him all that we are through sacrifice and through worship. And he gives them this ritual. He gives them the offering of the Passover lamb. Then when they come into the promised land, he gives them the whole temple system and he, he provides for them the worship so that they can reach out to him in relationship with them and, and yeah, the relationship's there. But it also says in the New Testament that the, the blood of goats and bulls is useless to take away sin. So when we think more deeply about the, the, the alienation, the slavery, the oppression of Egypt that the people were really being drawn away from, yes, God, God won for them the, the like, concrete, physical liberation. They were no longer actually enslaved by Egypt and they managed to make it home. But the, the communion with God that, that God really wants for us and not just, not just on a worldly, this kind of life level, on an eternal scale of really participating in the love of God. Overcoming our sin. Sacrifices of lambs and bulls and goats can't do anything for that. And that's why that system of worship, they offered those same sacrifices again and again. They offered them year after year after year after year um, for centuries before Jesus came around. For centuries and centuries, just continually atoning for their sins, but never actually taking them away, never actually as a way to reach what God wanted for them. It's only the self-giving love of Jesus that achieves that. He says, um, while at supper, he says to them, this is my body and this is my blood. Do this in memory of me. Suddenly, when, when, when we approach the altar to worship our God, we find in our hands something that's actually a worthy offering to the Lord, something that we could never have offered on our own. We could never have entered into this relationship in, in, a, in a worthy way, worthy of the love of God, to actually offer him something back. But he provides for us Jesus' own flesh and blood. Um, And that's why we call it communion. Because he does take away our sins. He does take away that, that radical alienation from God to draw us into who he is again. And it's radically different from all the sacrifices offered before that. That Jesus' offering on the cross, which is what he does when at supper with his disciples, he says, this is my body, this is my blood. It only makes sense when we look at what happens the next day when he actually gives his body and his blood. This was a totally radically different type of worship than anything could have come before because nothing else could have worked, but Jesus has made a way to actually enter into communion with God and actually love him and actually worship him properly. He makes that possible for us because he is the way. Now, the other the other side of the coin, because they're not two separate things, but that's how Jesus makes that way to communion with God, but then communion with one another is 
part of the part of the very same mystery but how do we reflect on that and jesus says tonight while he's sitting with his disciples at supper as their lord and master they are you know offering their lives to follow him and to learn from him and all of that and then he steps down from the table and stoops to wash their feet but he says if i your lord and master wash your feet and you must wash one another's feet and while it seems that this is a simple kind of encouragement that you all need to be a little bit more selfless and if we're all just a little bit more generous and thinking of others more, um, we can be a bit more survey and a bit more lovey. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's just as radical a shift that Jesus brings as from offering bulls and goats to offering himself and making it possible for us to reach the Father. He makes it possible for us to love one another again and to love one another in a way that really transforms us into communion, to enter into the life of one another, to, to really humble ourselves and pour out our lives, bending down to the feet of our brother or sister, pouring out our lives in, the, in the, the generosity of washing their feet. And again, that, that gesture is interpreted by what happens the next day, where Jesus' servant love goes to the end of giving his very life out of love for his brothers and sisters. And the, 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 the image of Egypt and thinking of, thinking of our sinfulness that we need to kind of break out of, that we're cut off from God by, can, looking, looking at the image of exile in Egypt and that sort of thing, it's a very external image, you know, we need to move from here and go to there, but really... God's about something much more internal with each of us, that rather than just the, the enmity um, or the anger that we find between one another and in our society and out there, the oppression that we must overcome that God's going to save us from, is also the brokenness, the enmity, and even against ourselves within our hearts. But that's why there's no amount of striving there's no amount of just kind of being more disciplined and striving harder and making more resolutions to be more generous and loving to one another that we can't overcome that exile and that slavery on our own but that Jesus makes it possible for a flesh and blood human being to actually love his brothers and sisters perfectly and offers that grace to do the same now when we see, by the grace of God, that somebody actually does this in life, it captures our attention. We're all longing to be able to love one another in this way. We're all longing to be able to love one another in this way. It's what we're made for. It's the communion that God wants for us, that he wants to lead us into. And she was able to hold on to the sick and hold on to the orphaned and hold on to the starving and the dying and even if there was nothing that she could do for them, just hold them and love them and then do it again the next day with the next person that she found for years and years. And we hear that cry in our hearts like, if only I could not be, you know, torn up by my selfishness, by my self-protectiveness and I could love somebody in that way. 
Mother Teresa didn't just try harder and kind of decide to, I'm going to be really generous and give my life to this sort of thing. She discovered the grace of God, the grace that Jesus Christ gives in this example of washing his brothers' and sisters' feet. And for us to participate in that grace, to us to follow on that way of washing one another's feet, we don't need to be on the streets of Calcutta. Um, We can find in our families, in our workplaces, on the bus, in our gyms, sitting in the pew next to you, somebody who's a child of God, crying out to be loved and needing to be served in that sort of way. So we can look to respond to that grace wherever we are and whoever it is that's in front of us to participate in that great grace of what Jesus has done, loving in that new way. That's the way into communion. So here's our way. And to both sides of that coin, to to the harmony and love, the communion with one another that we celebrate here as, as, a, as a church community, but there's so much division and enmity in the world. He wants, us, he wants to lead us into that communion. And also, he wants to lead us into communion with God. So let's, tonight, as we offer worship in and through him at this altar... And as we offer our love in and through him to our brothers and sisters, whoever it is that God puts inside our path, let's look to Jesus and seek that grace to to live out that communion that we're made for, a communion that he desires for us, that communion that he's made possible for us. You can find reflection questions for this homily at stbenedicts.com.au forward slash homily. Thanks for joining us today and have a great week.